0: Good evening. Welcome to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. I invite all of you faithful friends to stand and let's worship the King of Kings.
1: Amen and Merry Christmas. Christmas. Two things, before you sit down, say hi to somebody, and when you sit down, fill that empty seat next to you so we got room on the edges for everybody to sit. Okay, go, say Merry Christmas to everybody. Wish them all a Merry Christmas. Awesome. We've got planned for you tonight at our family service, and it is a family service, so if you guys got some snacks, feel free to be able to munch them during the service. We do want you to sing, though, and enjoy the time. we got special music that's going on. Kids, we're going to have a little story in a little bit, so we're going to invite you all to come on up, and we're going to read the story up here, so you guys can do that. We have a special treat for you with that, and then we got a little study of God's Word. Yes, and my granddaughter is sitting here in the front saying, hey, Grandpa. We want to be able to have a relaxed time, just an enjoyable time, and start out this whole Christmas season right as a family. So let's do it with prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather in this place, to be able to honor you. As family and friends, to be able to start out this celebration of Christmas the right way. To worship Lord Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, there's so many things that we can be thankful for this year. We want to be thankful, we want to receive... that that blessing that you have for us tonight. So we want to open our hearts even now to all the things that you want to teach us and lead us in. And again, we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen, and Merry Christmas.
0: But God, in his infinite wisdom, provided a way. A way not mapped out by human hands, but divinely directed to change the course of history. Through his son, Jesus, salvation made its way from the thrones of heaven to the thrones of humanity. Arriving not in splendor, but in simplicity, as a baby. This was not entirely what was expected, but it's exactly what was needed. So here and now, at Christmas, we stand in awe and worship. Not to simply sing happy songs or exchange humble gifts, but to remember why Jesus was born. For in his birth he set course to the cross, and that cross casts an eternal light on the shadows of this world. Light that makes the darkness flee, the enemy retreat, and death itself reverse. We worship today because salvation is ours through Christ Jesus, the baby born to die, born to save the world and overcome the
2: grave.
0: For the Lord, our
2: God Almighty reigns. He is with us. He is with us.
0: Pastor Carrie, right down here on the front. You can sit on the steps, on the floor, right here in front of house. Story time. Come on down, kids. Kids of all ages.
1: You can get your candy cane. Come on up. You guys can see Miss Shelby and grab a candy cane. I got a great story for you guys tonight. Some of you guys can sit on these steps too if you want. And I know it might be hard to see the book and the pages, so they're going to be up behind me also, for all the moms and dads too. You guys can scooch in. You guys can come up here. It's okay. You guys can come sit right up here. Come on. Let's make room for everybody. Come on. Yeah, you can sit right here, buddy. Good job. So what makes this night different than any other night? Why is is tonight different than any other night? Why is it different? Because you never come up here. Come up here. <laughs> Why is it different? Because
2: it's the day before Jesus'
1: birthday. It's the day before Jesus' birthday. So if we celebrate Jesus' birthday, then what is the night before called? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. And so we get to come and we get to celebrate. Jesus' birthday before, the night before he was born. In fact, that's what the book is about. The book that we're going to read today is called "The Night Before Jesus." I'm going to need a little bit of help though, as we go through and we do different things. I'm going to need some help finding Jesus in the pictures. Okay, so we're going to we're going to work through that, uh, and you guys will be able to help me do that. Okay, so we'll be able to do that. There's a verse though that we're going to start. Out our story with. And the verse is found in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Isaiah is a book in the Bible that's in the Old Testament. And it says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So in Isaiah, it says that Jesus is going to have a bunch of different names and it tells us about him. But we need to find Jesus in our story and in our picture Twas the night before Jesus when all through the earth. Every creature was stirring for a baby's new birth. The people were looking straight up and then down to the left and the right, both in the country and the town. Can you show me where baby Jesus is? Can you find him? Where is he? Point. He's in her belly. She's in her belly. It's in her belly. Whose belly? Mary's Oh, Mary's. I was hoping it wasn't the donkey's belly. That's, awesome. That's Joseph. That's Joseph. That's a good, good catch. All right. Some faces were watching far out in the sky, believing God's Son would be soon coming by. In Bethlehem, children snug in their beds with dreams of olives and figs in their heads. Do you guys dream about olives and figs? No! I hope not. Well, can you find baby Jesus in the picture? Where is he? Still in Mary's tummy. All right. Sheep had just bowed their last sleepy bleed, and the shepherds were tired, weary, and beat. When up in the air there arose such a clatter, the shepherds saw angels and asked, What's the matter? They jumped to their feet. And they stood straight and tall. They saw thousands of angels and heard angels call. It sounded like glory. Look bright as can be. It was hard to believe. It was hard to see. It'd be pretty hard to see if you had all of these angels shining really bright, wouldn't it? In the middle of the night. Would you guys be scared if angels all appeared in the middle of the night? No. No. Yes.
2: No. not. No. They're angels. You don't have to be scared of them. Don't be scared of angels? Okay. They're not going to hurt
1: you. Oh, I hope not. When what to their wondering eyes appeared but glory around them, so loud and so near? It happened so sudden, it happened so quick. Was it real? Was it true? Or was it a trick? No. No. More rapidly than eagles, the shepherds then came and found Mary and Joseph and whispered his name. It is Jesus the Savior, Messiah, God's Son. Emmanuel the Lord he is all and each one remember the names we read in the beginning there he is no <sighs> can you find baby Jesus there.
2: There.
1: where is he he is right there oh. right there, yeah, right there? Yeah, oh okay is he in Mary's tummy anymore no no, no. no. Yeah. he was yeah. born he isn't
2: in Mary's tummy no he's right
1: there in the manger oh okay they fell to their knees way down on the ground. How good to receive Him. The one they had found. The shepherds saw Jesus. They almost did cry. For Jesus, their Savior, had surely come by. Can you guys see Him? Where is He? Right there. Yeah.
2: You guys remind me
1: of all of these sheep kind of looking. So straight up the hillside, their running feet flew, their eyes full of Jesus, their hearts like new. Far away, wise men stood on a roof, searching the skies for the biblical proof. Night after night, they hunted with care for a sign of God's love. In some stars up there, would the stars tell about God's love? No. 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 The Bible said to go look in the stars. They were looking. These were wise men. What were they looking for? Jesus. Baby Jesus. Jesus. There, each one shouted, Baby "Out Jesus. in the east!" And there mounted their ha- with haste their two humped beast. What's a two humped beast?
2: Camel. Yes, camel. Camel. A camel. camel.
1: One wise man with gold had a little round tummy. The frankincense wise men smelled yummy, yum, yummy. The gift of rare myrrh had been packed in a can, for Jesus would need it when he was a man. Have they found baby Jesus yet?
2: No. Not yet. Are they
1: looking for baby Jesus? Yes. Yep. How are they going to find baby Jesus? What are they Following using? Following star. Following a star. They were soon filled with questions from head to head to toe. They asked, where is the king? We truly must know. They traveled so long and traveled so far and followed their hearts and they came to the star. They came to this king and they couldn't find him. They couldn't find baby Jesus. Each face of the wise men was grim for a while. Can you show me a grim face? What's your grim face? Okay. Then slowly each cheek turned to a smile. They saw that God gave his Son to the earth, and they took up God's gift, putting theirs on the earth. Can you find baby Jesus now?
2: Yeah.
1: Is he baby Jesus, or is he like a little child Jesus?
2: Because it took, it took almost two years to go find him.
1: That's a long time of looking for him. He's at your house?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. There was no more to do, there was no more to say, this was God's world, and this was God's day. As the Christ child blinked slowly while turning his head, the wise men knew that they had nothing to dread. There's baby Jesus right there. That's like toddler Jesus. They spoke not a word, and they headed for home. They were thankful to God that Christ Jesus had come. Christ was on the earth. And old was like new. Now people could see what God could do. It's the night before Jesus. From ground to the sky. And Jesus the Savior will surely come by. So we know and you know that God is in sight. God's blessing to all. And to all a good night. But when the fullness of time has come. God sent forth his son of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 to 5. So baby Jesus had come and become man Jesus. Man Jesus died on the cross for our sins, went to heaven. But man Jesus is going to come back as God Jesus. And so we need to keep looking up into the sky till he comes. But for now, it's Christmas Eve and for all, a good Let's pray right now. Okay, kids, let's pray. You guys, if you're here at VBS, you know how to do this. Ready? One, two, not 800, three. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the gift that you give to us, the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of love. We're gonna to learn tonight that we can celebrate you, Lord Jesus, in everything we do. In Jesus' name. And all God's kids said, Amen, Amen. and praise, praise Jesus. Jesus. Merry Christmas. All right, you guys can scoot off to your seats. Take your, Christmas.
2: Christmas. Take
1: your suckers with you, please.
2: Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. Let's lift up our voices again. And so,
2: oh,
0: fall on our knees this evening and we declare that you are Lord and that you are Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. All the power and all the glory goes to your name and we worship you as our Lord and as our Savior this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
1: Wow, we think about Christmas and we think about being able to to celebrate. There's a word that we use often and it's rejoice. Now, I I did a little search. Do you know the word rejoice shows up ninety seven hundred times in the Bible? Think about that. Ninety seven hundred times. And it's used in a lot of different contexts within this. It's a common word that reflects joy and happiness. And, and, and to be able to do that, you know, when you, you, you finally catch a keeper sturgeon, you rejoice. Finally. Or when they actually open sturgeon season, that would be nice. But when you think about this, this idea of this word rejoice, we use it in a lot of different contexts. We rejoice when a child is born. We rejoice when our team wins. We rejoice when something great happens. It's this idea of celebration and happiness within this. It's also used in a hymn that we're familiar with. This hymn, O Holy Night. And the stanza is this. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world, note, in sin and error pining. Till he appears, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Why? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Those are words that we sing often because it's a very familiar Christmas carol, but when we think about the meaning behind the, this word in the context that's within this, it, it's a time of celebration because a life that is in the midst of darkness is now seeing a little glimmer of light. Some hope. Something is going to change. It's a reminder that life is going to be fresh and new. And that's what we look forward to in Christmas. It reminds us of a birth. Of a newness of life. That we can rejoice. And every year we get together here on on the 24th and the 25th and we celebrate this newness of life. We remind ourselves that we don't have to be stuck in this weary, dreary world forever. This yonder breaks. This new morn. And it's all because of what Jesus has done. And so, we rejoice. As a church family, we get together every Sunday and we rejoice. Why? Because Jesus has radically changed our life within this. Charles Spurgeon once said this, A rejoicing heart soon makes a praising tongue. Think about that. A rejoicing heart... Soon makes a praising tongue. Where does that joy come from? It comes from the heart. You can't force it. It's something that comes from within. That that comes without. It's something that that is is hard to control when you're rejoicing. Which puts at odds something that the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians four four. He said this in Philippians four four. He said this. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now when I read that, it sounds like a command. It actually is. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Well, how can a person rejoice when their life has hit the skids? When we think about this this difficulty in the world, how can a person rejoice in the midst of pain, sorrow, suffering, and sadness? Have you ever been in that place of darkness where somebody comes to you and, and, and tragedy has happened and you're in the midst of that sorrow, that, that suffering, and someone comes up to you and they say, Oh, just cheer up. Oh, let me punch you. <laughs> because you can't tell somebody you've got to rejoice. But Paul does. Paul says, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. And, and you got to understand the context where he says he says rejoice in the Lord. That changes things. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstance, rejoice in your sorrow, rejoice in the surroundings that, that's falling apart around you. That's not what he says. So what does he mean? Rejoice in the Lord. We cannot always rejoice in our circumstances. We can't always rejoice in our sorrow. We can't always rejoice when the doc comes in and says, I'm sorry you have terminal cancer. I'm sorry the loved one that you've spent your life with is dying. We can't rejoice in the fact that a parent had just lost a child or somebody had just lost their job. We can't rejoice in those things. But God has given us A place that is so far beyond the circumstances and the situation and the surrounding that we can rejoice in. A holy other that we can rejoice. And that's what Paul says. So, as we look at this passage, it's really short. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. In Advent, what we do is we spend four weeks laying out, and we've been working through the foundation By which we can rejoice. The first week we took a look at hope. Hope is the assurance of salvation. And the thrill of hope is when that sick soul finds salvation. The thrill of hope knowing that your destiny and the trajectory of your eternal being has been radically changed. Because Jesus is giving you eternal life. It's a thrill of hope. It would be equal as having terminal cancer and the doc coming in and saying... you know what? Your cancer's gone. We can't find it. Would you rejoice over that? Absolutely you would. It would be something that would come out of you that you couldn't even hold in. Why? Because it's the thrill of hope that you have a long life in front of you to be able to be in that place. Then the next week we looked at peace. Where does that peace come from? It's not peace. In this world, but it's peace in the holy other that Jesus has overcome this world. Is this world screwed up? You guys don't sound too convinced. Do you like this place? It's messed up. There is wars and rumors of wars and fights and all of these things all over the place. There is no peace in this world. But we can rejoice because Jesus has overcome this world. There isn't anything that will keep Jesus down or keep Jesus out that Jesus cannot control. I can have peace in that. I can have a peace that the Bible says that passes all understanding that will guard or garrison my mind. And while the world's falling apart, Middle East is going crazy and all of these different things, I can be at peace. Why? Because I read the end of the book. I read the end of the book and the end of the book says very clearly... That Jesus is going to come back in his second advent and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth. He's going to judge sin, Satan, kick him out, and there is going to be a new earth and a new heaven. And everybody that's put their trust in him will live in eternity. And we can have peace. But we can have that peace right now in the midst of all of that. The third week we took a look at joy. It's a joy that's filled with worship. It's an inner joy. I've met people whose lives have been coming apart, and yet they are full of joy. Why? Because their joy doesn't come from circumstances or situations. Their joy comes from knowing that their name is written in God's book of life. The joy that God loves them. The joy that God's given them the peace. It's filled with joy because they've discovered Jesus. And then this morning we took a look at love. And the one thing that everybody wants is to be loved. To be able to rejoice. I've been a pastor for a lot of years and for a lot of years working with youth. There is, there is a goofy thing that happens to teenagers when they have their first girlfriend or boyfriend. They get stupid. And you got a few of them, don't you? And, and, and you look at it and they just got this grin on their face and you look at them and you go, What's wrong with you? Oh, I know. Because they know that somebody sees them as being special, that somebody loves them and that cares for them. And it fills that hole in their heart. Well, there's a love that God has for us that fills our heart even that much more. When we know that love, it gives us a grin from ear to ear, regardless of what's going on. It's a love that that surrounds us, that guards us and gives us a rest. Why? Because we've been found. Do you know that kind of love? For that we can rejoice. We can rejoice. Why? Because Jesus brings us hope. Jesus brings us peace. Jesus brings us joy. And Jesus brings us love. Jesus came to earth to give us all of these things. This is why we can rejoice. And you say, okay, what was it like in Jesus' day? These people that would rejoice. And I want to take you back to the time when Jesus was born. Here we have Mary, who was probably in her mid-teens, early teens, maybe like 14-ish. And Mary finds herself talking to an angel and then pregnant. Could you imagine? And she's not married to Joseph, just engaged, but 14-year-old pregnant. The angel told her that she's pregnant, and now she's pregnant with... God's son, Jesus, Emmanuel. Would that stress you out a little bit? Maybe a lot. But Mary had great joy when it was confirmed, and she went over to her Aunt Elizabeth's house, who was pregnant with John, which is another story, is a very, very older lady that had a baby. And John leaped in Elizabeth's womb because. Mary had showed up with Jesus in her womb. We read in the book earlier, where was Jesus in Mary's tummy? We look at that. And Mary finally had peace and joy. If you read in Matthew chapter 2, it's called Mary's Magnificat. The joy that she had from knowing that God would see her as a handmaid. And she rejoiced because she was a 14-year-old that was pregnant? No. Because God saw her as being valuable. And chose her special. We see the shepherds and magi, as we read earlier, they had great joy. Why? Because the Roman Empire was overshadowing them, oppressing them. The shepherds were the least of the least of the community. The magi, they they saw that there was a promise that was fulfilled. And then they saw the baby, they were overjoyed. Simeon and Anna, two older people that were waiting for the promise of God To be fulfilled. And when Mary and Joseph showed up in the eighth day in the temple. They were overjoyed. Why? Because they saw the written promise of God in flesh. That made God real. There's a time when you're all going to experience joy. If you put your faith and trust in Christ. When you see everything you've put your faith into become very real. Now, whether that happens when the Lord takes you home or when the Lord comes back to take you home, in either case, when your faith becomes tangible, there's the ability to rejoice within this. What about the lame, the sick, the deaf, the sorrowful? They all rejoice because they had a touch of Jesus. The Samaritan woman had great joy. Why? Because she was an outcast of society. She'd been married four times, living with a guy. Had to get water midday because nobody wanted to hang around with her. And Jesus showed up in Samaria and talked with her and gave her truth. And she went back with great joy, rejoicing. You've got to come see the man that tells me everything. This guy's special. And she rejoiced. We think about the followers of Jesus that rejoiced after his resurrection. We think about all those in heaven sitting at the throne of God right now. Our loved ones that have gone before us and they're rejoicing. Why? Because they're seeing Jesus. There is no reason, no reason in this world that Christians should be walking around like they've been sucking on lemons. None. So if you're doing it, stop it. Rejoice. Now, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but Jesus said what? Be of good cheer. Why? I've overcome the world. Do you know there isn't anything in this world that by its own power can rob you of joy? You can give it up. But no. But what about in our day? I got to thinking about this. What about the weary single mother? She rejoices what she finds rest in God's provision. Matthew chapter eleven, twenty eight, where Jesus says, Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. What about the weary soul that's in bondage under addiction? Jesus brings them freedom. John chapter eight verse thirty six. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free in what? Indeed. What about the weary soul in isolation and loneliness? When Jesus provides his presence through the power of his Spirit indwelling in you and gives you that personal presence. Matthew twenty eight, verse twenty B says, I am with you until the end of the age. What about the mentally weary that struggles with their mental disease and, and having a hard time? Just coping with life. Jesus promises that mental peace. In John fourteen, twenty seven, he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Why? Because the peace of Christ comes in and dwells within our hearts. What about the one that's wearied of grief and sorrow? They can rejoice when Jesus turns their sorrow to joy. John 16, 22. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice... And no one will take your joy away from you. When does the grieving heart find joy? When they see Jesus. And it's a joy when you see Jesus that can never be lost, never be stolen, never be taken away because you're focusing on Jesus. Why? Because He's overcome the world. Because He's always present with you. He always provides for you. Don't let things rob you of your joy. Jesus has given us an unconditional blessing of eternal hope. Eternal presence, eternal joy, a peace that passes all understanding. He came and was born to do that, to give you that peace. Paul goes on, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command, it's a repeated command. He says it twice, why? Because we're knuckleheads. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. But it's a command. That tells me the fact that the ability to rejoice is not based on a feeling. It's based on a fact. It's not based on an emotion, but it's based on a truth. So how do I rejoice always in the difficult circumstances? I've got to preach the joy of Christ in my heart. I've got to put my joy in Christ and not in anything else. i got to, I got to find joy in what God's given us. We have the ability to rejoice in a lot of different things. Some of you maybe have had the opportunity to finally get that brand new car that you wanted, right? You get it and you rejoice and you're so joyful over having that brand new car until somebody hits it. Or you come out of Safeway or Walmart and somebody has put a scratch in it or a dent in it. You know, you're the one that gets the brand new car that parks it all the way down at the end. And you come out and somebody's parked next to you. What are you doing? Get away from my car. We can rejoice because we have a brand new relationship. We think it's a lifelong relationship. Until that person breaks our heart. You can rejoice because you receive a financial windfall. But then the money goes away. Paul says to rejoice always. Why? Because God is always good. God is always kind. God is always loving. God is always giving. God is always has your best interest in mind. God cares for you all the time. So we don't put our rejoicing in things that are, are temporal and can go away. We have to put our joy and the ability to rejoice in someone that will never change. That always has our best interest. Someone that, that is not... In the circumstances, but above the circumstances and in control of the circumstances. No one took Jesus' life. He gave it for you and for me.
0: He
2: gave it.
1: Why? So that you would know the joy of salvation. We can always rejoice because Jesus will always love you. Jesus will always accept you. Jesus will always forgive you. And Jesus will continue to do that until He receives you because Jesus' promises are always true. And we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in Jesus because we have eternal life. In John chapter 1, verse 4, and these aren't my words, these are Jesus' words. In, in John it says this, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that life is irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gift of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. You say, Well, Carrie, you don't understand. I you know I asked God to forgive me of my sins, but I messed up again. And I really screwed up. I think God changed his mind and he, he's he's not going to accept me. Here's the here's the deal. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that you can't boast about it. If you can't work your way in, you can't work your way out. What God says is true is true. And His promise that you are saved by faith is irrevocable. You can't change it. And God doesn't change His mind on you. It's a gift in the ability to find joy in the possible, but what you thought was impossible. To be able to be in that place to know that I can look beyond this world to eternal life. Why? Because what you rejoice in is the Holy Other, it is God and the work that He did, and is not under anything in this world. We need to find our joy in the Holy Other, in Jesus. And not anything in this world. And do not let anything in this world rob you of your joy. You've got to focus on the things above. So Paul would say rejoice what? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And as Spurgeon said, when we're rejoicing in our heart, then praises come out of our mouth. When we rejoice in our heart, praises come out of our mouth. Why? Because it's our heart that is filled with that joy. Everyone who found Jesus and believed in him was filled with joy, hope, peace, and love. You can read about it time and time again within this. And the confidence of knowing Jesus is Lord. Lastly, genuine love, genuine joy and genuine peace and genuine hope all begins here. It all begins here. It's not going to be found anywhere else in this world. It all begins here when this is given over to God. We come to God with this empty vessel. We say, God, I'm empty. Will you give me the gift of joy, of peace, of hope, of love? Will you give fill me with your Spirit? Because when the, your spirit filled from the inside out, you experience joy, peace, love and hope. all the things that we've been studying all month to be able to do this. So I guess the question is this: how can the weary world rejoice? How can they come to that place regardless of circumstances? When you take your eyes off of the situation and your circumstances and you put them on Christ, and you say, God, You got this. I don't like it. I don't like what's going on. But you are the holy other and you are so above this. And pray. God, give me the gift of joy. God, give me the gift of hope. God, give me the gift of peace. God, give me the gift of love. Fill me with those things. And God never disappoints within this. Discovering Jesus unlocks all of those. And it's a gift that God has for you even tonight. And you can ask ask for that gift and you can receive it. It's got your name on it. He's waiting to give it to you. You just have to simply ask. You say, well, Carrie, don't I have to be religious about it? Nope. God doesn't give gifts to religious people. God gives gifts to His children. It's relationship. It's all about becoming a child of God. He wants to adopt you as a child. That's a good thing. I'm going to pray as the team comes up. And I want to give you that opportunity to receive that gift maybe tonight. Maybe tonight you feel like, well, I've been a bit far away, a bit distant. We understand that there are times when we get distracted and we get all twisted up. This Christmas Eve, Eve, recenter your life. And from this point forward, receive that gift that God has for you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a time of worship. And you can keep thinking on these words. You can make this worship time a time when you commit your life to Christ. Symbolically, as you light that candle, you can say, God, please please let your light shine in my life. However you want to do it. Between you and God. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get ready to light the candles. A couple of things, too. Don't light your neighbor's hair on fire, please. We had some junior hires that go, we get real candles? It's like, yeah. We do have some fire extinguishers just in case. Let me pray over you and then we're going to have the ushers come forward. We'll light the candles. I'm going to light the candle. We're going to start from the center going out that way. As we sing Silent Night. But first, let's pray. God, I thank you that you sent your Son Jesus into this world to be the light of life. To give us hope, joy, love, and peace. To be able to give to us life and and that much more. To be able to restore to us a joy of salvation that only you can give. And I pray for those that are here now. That maybe are struggling. They haven't received that gift. Or they, they got that gift and they never really unwrapped it. They're just kind of sitting there and haven't done anything with it. Holy Spirit, I pray you move on people's hearts that today would be the first day of their salvation because they received you, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And if that's you, pray in your heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your Spirit and forgive me of my sin. Give to me love, peace, hope, and joy. And turn my sorrow into joy that I might rejoice in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. the light of the world. So let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. We light these candles because it reminds us of the light of Christ that is in each and every believer. No one should take their light and hide it under a bushel, a basket or a bucket. But they need to let that light shine. Why? So that that light would illuminate the world. You are here to represent Christ. God's love. God's peace. God's joy and hope. We need to let that light shine. Now, I'm going to have you do something kind of fun. Look around and just look at the ceiling and and you'll see just a a dimly lit ceiling. But I'm going to ask on the count of three that you raise slowly your candles up and see what happens when you let that light shine up. One, two, three. Now look around. Whenever you feel that you're alone, realize you're not alone. You look around and you see how many other people have the light of Christ dwelling within them. We need to be able to do this more often. This next year in 2024, let your light shine and celebrate the joy of the Lord. God, we thank you for these lights and these lives. May you be honored by everything that we say and do in 2024 and make you smile. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and lower them. And just so that the fire department doesn't come and get angry, please carefully blow them out. We want to thank you guys for joining us. It's been a blessing to be able to have you here. Please feel free to enjoy the refreshments outside. Yeah, and you can drop the candles off in the back. And may you have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m.